Back in uh, 2012, uh, the Toronto Sun reported a very odd story. It was actually about a group of tourists that ended up uh, in Iceland, and, uh, and that night they were searching for a missing woman uh, near one of the canyons in Iceland, and uh, only to find out that the woman they were looking for was actually part of the search party. Uh, that the group went traveling uh, through Iceland. They were on a tour bus, and this lady, uh, they, they stopped by this one volcanic canyon, uh, and this woman gets off the bus and goes to either change her clothes or freshen up, uh, and she comes back on the bus, and the people on the bus didn't recognize her because of uh, the different change of clothes that she was in. And soon there became this idea that there was a passenger missing, uh, but the, the woman herself didn't recognize the description of the woman who was missing and then joined in on the search. And about 50 people uh, get off the bus and they're searching. Um, they're on foot. Uh, they call in the, uh, the authorities. The Coast Guard was even about to uh, put a helicopter in the air to go search. Uh, in about 3 a.m., uh, the lady kind of came to her senses and wondered if it was her that they were looking for and of which it was, and they called off the search. I actually looked at it three different times because I didn't believe it was a real story, but it was. Uh, it's hard to find something or hard to find someone when you don't know where to look, right? Or even if you don't know what you're looking for, and Proverbs is written so that God's people might find wisdom, that God's people might not be looking around wondering where in the world are we looking for this, what are we even looking for, and where do we find it. And so for wisdom to grow in us and in our hearts and in our minds, uh, since we're not together and we don't have outlines in front of us, this is where we're going to head. So for, for wisdom to grow, uh, we have to first off know where to find it. Uh, next, we're going to know how to get it. Uh, then surrender, uh, to basically for it to grow, we have to surrender our hearts to it. And then we get to enjoy the blessings uh, that wisdom brings. So first off, let's uh, figure out where we know where to find it, know where to find wisdom. So this father is speaking to his son, and in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your, your heart to hear, or heart to understanding, then wisdom Will flow. So the father is the one who is speaking to his son. He's talking about his words and his commandments. It's the father instructing his son to open himself up to wisdom. That's what it means in verse 2 to incline your heart to understanding. It's, it's to open yourself up to understanding. Uh, but yet, ultimately, the words of a father uh, are really words from God. Himself, And so even the father's wisdom and the father's counsel to his son are God's wisdom to his son. And that's why down in inside of chapter 2 in verse 6, it says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So when our kids were little, we uh, had these old school VHS tapes uh, on it, and the NIV Kids Club sang... Uh, uh, basically verses in Proverbs and set them to music. 
Uh, I'll spare you uh, singing this verse, but um, it's one that I'll never be able to get out of my mind. It's a great way to memorize scripture is to put it to song, but that the Lord is the one who gives wisdom. And it's from his mouth. It's not just some kind of aura that he gives. It's the words that he gives. And from that come knowledge and understanding. That, it's just this simple further explanation of Proverbs 1 verse 7. That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Or as Proverbs 9 10 would say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of of wisdom. That the, the idea of the beginning, like we said last week, is obviously the, the, the start of it. But it's more than that. It's, it's the idea of the foundation or the basis on which uh, wisdom is built. It's the source from which wisdom flows. And so, uh, so wisdom comes from the Lord. The Lord gives it. And so wisdom foundationally uh, starts with this humbling of yourself. Because uh, it's us humbling ourselves before God because uh, all of the rest of finding wisdom rests on that move right there. That if you don't humble yourself before God, and yet all wisdom begins and is, is found in him, you will never find it. Wisdom is found in the words of God. It's from his mouth. And so, did you catch all of that in verse 1? The idea of words, uh, commandments. Uh, Later on, he talks about teaching. That is the Lord giving wisdom, the Lord giving commandments, but it's to a son through his father. Don't miss that, that yes, in the scriptures are are the, the words of God, but yet oftentimes wisdom comes to us through other people. Kids, students, it will most definitely come from your parents. Adults, it comes through all sorts of different ways, friends, correction, uh, and God is speaking and teaching and giving us his words in many different ways. And so where do you find it um, is beginning with God and his word and the Lord is the one who gives it. Now, how do you get it? So for it to grow, we have to know how to get it. And how do we get wisdom is explained in these two chapters. So uh, now, you know, we, we know where it is, but now how do we go after it? And I want to submit to you that there's, there's two aspects. There's kind of a passive aspect to getting wisdom, and then there's a really active uh, aspect to it. So um, in, in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2, so my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive and inclining your heart. That, that um, there's this sense of receiving wisdom, that you allow it to come to you and you accept it. Then when more of those words come, that, that there's a treasuring up in our heart, that we are attentive and making ready our heart. Attentiveness, yes, it's it's a little bit active, but attentiveness is kind of an awareness of what is going on, that you're alert to what is coming, what's about to happen, that you're waiting to see what wisdom or what God might show you. Uh, And so it's not completely passive. I don't want to convey that. But attentiveness is looking for something to happen or looking for something to come to you that you are not the one making it happen, but yet you are receiving it, and when it comes, you treasure it, 
and make and even make your, your heart ready to be able to see it. Because in verse 7, the first part is that, that it is he, that God stores up sound wisdom for the upright. That it is God who is saving up and storing up wisdom. Uh, in, in a sense, it's almost that wisdom doesn't get released to us all at once. So yes, God is the storehouse of wisdom, but if he's storing it up uh, and it's not always coming to us, that's where the attentiveness has to come in, that we are watching and waiting to see when is God going to convey that to us. So there's this passive sense, kind of watching, waiting, receiving, but also there's this deep, active sense of how to go after wisdom. Look at verses 3 and 4. So verses two, uh, 1 and 2 is kind of more the receiving side of it. 3 and 4, yes, if you call out for wisdom and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures— then you will understand. So it's the calling out, uh, this raising of your voice, uh, verse 3 is talking about, that we're not just sitting there passively in order to receive. We're alert and aware, but then God says, call out for it, cry out for it. Uh, It is even raise your voice for understanding. Isn't that interesting that it is us in an active search Uh, for wisdom before God. And then verse 4 kind of puts it in a perfect way that you seek it like silver. You know, think about the times when you are short on money uh, and you know that you need to make something happen. Uh, You know, you seek for it. You search for it like a hidden treasure. You know, think about kids at an Easter egg hunt. They don't go out and they just wander around. They sprint out of the starting gate, and they're trying to find as many eggs as possible. You know, they are seeking and searching for those things. And, And in a sense, God is saying to seek and search after wisdom in order to find it. So there is a sense where we are attentive to what God's bringing, but then there's also a deep sense where we are going after it. We're seeking it and searching it. And then verse 5, when you do that, when you call out, raise your voice, seek and search after wisdom and knowledge, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So here's two stories to kind of illustrate uh, what this looks like. Uh, So I was in, uh, this past year, I was in 2 Chronicles. uh, And I would submit 2 Chronicles to you if you haven't read about the Old Testament kings in a while. uh, Because at, at chapter 10 of 2 Chronicles, this is following the death of Solomon. And after the death of Solomon, the kingdom of Israel splits in two the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. And uh, Second Chronicles is primarily about the kings of Judah or the southern kingdom. And so after, uh, after Solomon uh, died, the first king of Judah was Rehoboam. Uh, and you find that uh, picking up in Second Chronicles chapter 10, and 10 through 12 is Rehoboam. And Rehoboam asks for counsel of what to do with his brother, who is Jeroboam. And Jeroboam's up north with the people of Israel. And so what should I do is, was the question that Rehoboam asked. 
And in 2 Chronicles 10, verse 7, it's just, this is a study of wisdom. And they said to him, and that they are the old men that gave wisdom to Solomon. And so, and the old men said to him, if you will be good to this people and please them and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. But he abandoned the counsel of the old men, or that the old men gave him, and took the counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. So remember what we said last week about wisdom, that wisdom is something that builds over time, something as you seek it more, you grow in it. And uh, and so it's there that the old men possess wisdom that the young men don't have, yet Rehoboam neglects or abandons their counsel and listens to the young guys. Later in chapter 10, Chapter 10, verse 19, because of all of that, this is the results. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. So because he said, nope, I'm not going to be gracious to them. I'm going to crush them. I'm going to put a burden on them. They have been in rebellion against Judah and the kings of Judah to this day. And, uh, and so, but even with that, Rehoboam was better than his brother Jeroboam. And so people started to flee down to, uh, to Judah. And then we pick up in chapter 12. In chapter 12, verse 1, when the rule of Rehoboam was established and he was strong, he abandoned the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. That's interesting. That's the second time the word abandon has shown up. He abandoned the counsel of the old men. Now he abandons the law of the Lord. Why? Because he was established and strong. Down in verse 14 of that same chapter, this is interesting. And he did evil, for he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. Now, we're going to leave that verse, uh, or or maybe you can look at it, but... uh, the idea of evil flowed out of him not setting his heart to seek the Lord. And so as I was just reflecting on this personally in my own study, uh, you know, what does it mean to set your heart uh, on, on seeking the Lord? So what do those two words mean? The idea of setting your heart is to, uh, to establish something, to, to prepare or make it ready, to put Uh, something in place to make plans, to devote yourself, or to heap up. So to, to, to make plans and devote yourself, to make yourself ready, that's what it is to set your heart. Something that is steadfast and firm to bring something about. And so, uh, that, that is something Rehoboam did not do, but he did not prepare and devote himself to seek the Lord. He didn't do that. And the idea of seeking the Lord in in this word there is to learn information that you didn't know before or to have a relationship, to ponder, to think seriously about something's meaning. It's to care about it and look for it and find it out. So he did not establish in his heart make plans, and devote himself. He did not set that up 
to go look for and ponder and have a relationship and consult with the Lord. And as a result, he was displaced from his kingdom. So that's chapter 10 10 through 12. That's Rehoboam. Let's contrast that with Jehoshaphat. Okay, chapter 17 to 20. It says in, in, uh, early on in 17 that he sought the Lord. In verse 19, uh, that it's, God said of him, you have set your heart to seek God. Okay, things are going well. He's done the opposite of what uh, Rehoboam had done. And then it culminates in chapter 20 of 2 Chronicles. So chapter 20 in, of Second Chronicles, a great army is coming against him. Uh, the, a Moabite and Ammonite army is coming against him. And then we get to verses 3 and 4 of chapter 20. Notice the repetition. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Verse 4, then, or, and Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord, and all the cities of Judah came to seek the Lord. In, in two verses, three different times, it talked about them seeking the Lord, to seek the Lord for help, to seek him. And then down in verse 12, it even puts a bigger picture on what this seeking the Lord meant. Okay, it gives us the heart behind seeking the Lord. He says this, for we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us, this great army, for we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Isn't that interesting? That's the heart of what it is to seek after wisdom before the Lord. Rehoboam didn't set his heart to seek the Lord, and he's displaced. Jehoshaphat, he is powerless. They don't know what to do. He sought the Lord. The people sought the Lord. All of the cities of Judah sought the Lord, and their eyes were on God. So we live in an age of absolute overflow of information. And you wake up, and probably before your feet hit the ground, you check your phone. If, you, if, if it's not before you get out of bed, it's pretty early on in your day. And so I, let me ask you this question. Who influences your thinking most? Who do you even allow to influence it first in a day? Is it Twitter, Fox News, CNN, the morning shows that you watch on TV? Or do you allow the Word of God to influence your thinking? Think of it in in comparison with all these other inputs. Which influences you more? Other inputs or the word of God. I'm not saying other imp- you should toss other inputs out of your life, but isn't it amazing how those things start to frame our thinking? You know, when we just comb through and look at people's lives on Instagram or Facebook, uh, it, it starts to frame how we view life. And yet, God says, he gives wisdom, but we have to not only be attentive to watch for it, but to also seek it out. But what's interesting It's not only about gaining more knowledge or even more information. There has to be a heart behind the idea of wisdom as well. Because you could go and read everything in the Word of God, but if you don't surrender your heart to it, it will make no difference. 
Because there is a submission to the word of God that is absolutely essential. In, in chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, kind of lays it out for us. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Isn't it interesting that, uh, that the idea of wisdom is found in trusting in the Lord and not in our own understanding? Because that's the basis of, of wisdom, that you admit that you don't know, you admit that you don't have all the wisdom you need, and you are forced to trust in one who does. And so to acknowledge him in all of your ways is to live your life and allow your life to reflect him. The beginning of chapter 3, this father is saying to his son, don't forget my teaching. Don't forget it. Don't toss it away, but rather keep my teaching. Keep my commandments and let your heart keep them. It's not just simply go do these things, but let your heart actually keep the commandments that I give you, the commandments of the Lord. And so we looked at Rehoboam, Jehoshaphat. Let's go all the way back to Solomon in 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9. This is David speaking to his son, Solomon. Might be a little small. Sorry about that. It says, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will be found, or he will be found by you. If you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. There's a sense where, yes, we need to go chase after and search after uh, the word and the, the, the wisdom that comes from the mouth of God, but we also have to surrender ourselves to trusting in the Lord and not our understanding. And when we get there, and wisdom begins to grow year after year in our lives, we get to enjoy the blessings that wisdom brings, that God brings through his wisdom. We get to enjoy those things. Did you catch all the benefits that were laid out in these verses? Verse 8 of chapter 3, that it will be healing to your flesh and a refreshment to your bones. Go earlier in chapter 3, verse 2, when you don't forget and keep these things for length of days in years of life and peace, will, these will add to you. So not only long life, but that idea of peace, and that's the, the Hebrew word shalom, and it's more than just a peaceful, easy feeling uh, that you have in your heart. There's this sense of uh, the, the, the welfare and the well-being that God brings, the shalom of, of an overarching peace and well-being in your life. Look down in verse 4 of chapter 3. So as you do these things, as you bind them around your neck in verse 3, as you write them on your heart, verse 4, you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. What's wild is that's the same phrase used in Luke chapter 2, that Jesus, when he was in the temple, as we looked at last week, he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and 
man, as he himself grew in wisdom, uh, the blessings of that flowed. So it's healing to our flesh, refreshing. There's long days. There's this peace and shalom that God brings. There's favor with God, favor with man. Then go back to chapter 2, the second half of 7 and um, verse 8. That he's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the path of justice and watching over the way of his saints. That he becomes a shield and a guard and watches over uh, through his wisdom. The blessings that God brings through us in our pursuit of wisdom are evident. And then going all the way back to Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, we read it for our call to worship. We read it in the scripture reading. We'll put it on the screen again just so we can have it in our heads. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And what will he bring? He will make straight your paths. As a family, we were reading in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, that it's the sense where we entrust ourselves to God even when, as God's people, are suffering unjustly, we are, we are entrusting ourselves to him. That when we trust in the Lord with all our heart, we're entrusting ourselves to God and his leading for our lives. And in that, he will make our paths straight. So possibly today, as things are kind of slowed down with, with us being at home, youth group not meeting, what would it look like for you to seek and search after and chase after wisdom from God? What would it be for you to possibly seek the Lord with your heart today and tomorrow in this week in a new way that you haven't done before? And then God, uh, through his, through the power of the Spirit, will give you wisdom. He will reveal himself to you, and he will bring wisdom in your life. Let's pray. Uh, God, we ask uh, that you would give us that tenacity that to, to chase after and seek after with all our heart, uh, that just who you are, that we would set our heart on seeking you, and as we do that, God, that you would bring wisdom according to your character, according to your grace, in your mercy. Father, I pray that we would trust uh, in you with all our heart, God, that we would not lean on our own understanding. Father, we know that's a work of the, like a miraculous work of the Spirit of God. Father, we pray that you would bring that about in us. And Father, give us soft hearts that we might surrender to you and surrender to your word. God, thank you that you promise that there is blessing in that refreshment, restoration, long life, shalom, peace, uh, shielding and guarding over our lives. Thank you for those promises. And God, we entrust ourselves to you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.